We turn this morning to Matthew chapter 14, another event of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22 and reading through verse 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to seek, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you are the steady anchor in the storms of life. You are the one that calms the, the troubled sea. You're also the one that calms our troubled hearts. And Lord, as we face those storms, I pray, Lord, that we would recognize your presence, your purpose, and what you want to teach us as we face the various storms of life. So, Father, would you guide us now as we open your word this morning? Pray that you would lead us into your truth. Lord, your word is everlasting truth. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've never been to Israel, never been on the Sea of Galilee, never been to a storm there. So I can't tell you by experience what it's like. But I've been in a few snowstorms. And one of them I will never forget. We lived out in Minot, North Dakota at the time, and we were traveling to the Ark in Osceola, Wisconsin, for our pastor's conference. Beautiful January Sunday afternoon. Sun was shining. The road was bare. The sun was heating up the road. And as we got close to Grand Forks, North Dakota, it started to snow. And that snow landing on that warm pavement started to melt and then it started to freeze and then it started to get white. And by the time we got to Grand Forks and started heading towards McIntosh, where my in-laws live, that's where we're going to stop, it was a whiteout. It was a complete whiteout. The wind was blowing. You could not see anything. You could not see the road. The road was totally white and I was driving by faith, not by sight, because I could not see. I knew if I stopped, someone might likely 
run into me. So I had to keep going and I had to feel for the edge of the road. So I'm driving along and I felt a little gravel. So I'd pull over to one side. It was it was frightening. And we had three, four little kids in the back seat of the car and we didn't even make it to our destination. We had to stop in, in Crookston, spend a night in a motel. And both Judy and I had splitting, pounding headaches because that was that that was a frightening experience. And so I learned something in that event of life. I learned that storms can come unexpectedly. Storms can be very frightening. But I also learned that Jesus meets us in the midst of those storms. He brought us through. It wasn't me. The Lord brought us to safety. There's three lessons I want you to notice in this text today. I want you to notice, first of all, that Jesus has a purpose in the storms of life. Warren Wearsby says that there are two kinds of storms that God uses in our lives. The first kind he describes as storms of correction. These are storms that come when we need the Lord's discipline. They come when we've gotten off track in our lives and we need to be redirected. And I guess the most obvious lesson in Scripture of that is is Jonah, right? When you read through the book of Jonah, you will notice how God was so actively involved in all the events of his life. Chapter 1, verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind. 117, the Lord appointed a great fish. Chapter 2, verse 10, the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up on the land. Chapter 4, verse 6, the Lord appointed a great plant. Chapter 4, verse 7, the Lord appointed a worm. Chapter 4, verse 8, the Lord appointed a scorching wind. So you can see God's hand in all of that, redirecting this disobedient prophet. And one of the ways that God did that was through a storm. So when the storms of life come, I think it's wise to ask, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? Are you trying to redirect me? Is there something in my life where where I've gotten off track? Storms of correction cause us to examine ourselves. And so I think that's the first thing we, we need to do. Lord, are you trying to correct me? And so is there something in my life that I need to deal with? It may not be. But there certainly are those times in my life where I've been corrected through a storm where God has gotten my attention and said, there is something in your life you need to deal with. I don't love storms. I don't enjoy them. But looking back, I say, you know what, Lord? I needed that. Jonah needed that. And sometimes we need that as well. But then a second kind of storm that comes our way is the storm that we see in our text. And Wearsby calls these storms storms of perfection. These storms come not because we are being disciplined. They come not because we need to be redirected. They come because God is in the process of perfecting us. He is helping us to mature in our faith, to grow in our trust in Him. And he allows us to be put in situations sometimes where we have nowhere to look but to him. Ever been in those situations? 
There was nothing you could do to change what you're going through. All you could do is say, Lord, save me. That's what Peter did. Lord, save me. Looking to him. The text begins in a a quite an interesting way. In verse 22, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. Did you you notice that word made? He made them get into the boat. That's a very significant word. It, It carries the idea of being compelled or constrained. And it gives us the impression that perhaps the disciples were a little bit reluctant to get into that boat and go to the other side. Why? Well, right before this, Jesus had fed the 5,000, five loaves and two fish. And if you read John's account of that story, After Jesus did that miracle, we're told that the crowd wanted to make Jesus their king. Well, Jesus did not come to be an earthly king. And so part of the reason why Jesus was sending them into the boat, and maybe part of the reason why they might have been reluctant, is because they didn't fully grasp at this point who Jesus really is. They had their sights on some kind of an earthly kingdom. And if they're going to make Jesus king, wow, we're in favor of that, right? We might have a significant place in that kingdom. And so in order to protect them from that false understanding, Jesus says, you get in the boat and you go to the other side of the lake. They're saying, now, wait a minute. This is exciting. They want to make you king. Let's do it. So Jesus sent them away to protect them. But another reason they may have been reluctant is because Jesus wasn't going to be physically with them. He was going to be alone by himself and they were going to be on that boat going across the Sea of Galilee by themselves. So the disciples ended up in a storm, not because they were disobedient. It wasn't a storm of correction. They ended up in a storm because they were obedient. They were going to grow in their faith and learn that Jesus can be trusted in the storms of life. Are you facing a storm in your life today? Some challenge, some trial, some difficulty, and they could come in in all kinds of ways. It can be health, it can be finances, it can be family situations, job situations. There's all kinds of ways that that storms come in our life. If you are, there is one thing that you can be sure of. Storms aren't random events that come by bad luck or misfortune in the lives of God's people. They are part of God's plan. God had a purpose in this. In the lives of his disciples. And I believe God has a purpose when we face the storms of life. They're not just random events. But we have a sovereign God who works in those storms. So there's the first lesson. Jesus has a purpose for us in the storms of life. The second lesson we learn is that Jesus prays for us in the storms of life. After Jesus sent his disciples to the other side of the lake, he sent the crowds away. 
Verse 23 says, After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Now, this was not unusual for Jesus to spend some time alone in prayer. I mean, you read through the Gospels, and very often he slipped away from the crowds in order to pray. Time with his Father. Strengthened in that relationship as Jesus fulfilled the mission that the Father had given him. So we could certainly say for, for his own sake, Jesus spent that time in prayer with the Father. But I can't help but think he was, he was praying for these disciples because he knew what they were going through. We know that he knew that because Mark says in his account, Mark chapter 6, verse 48, that Jesus saw them being battered by the storm. So even though Jesus wasn't physically, bodily with them in the storm, he prayed for them. And as you read through the Gospels, you will notice over and over again, Jesus praying for his disciples. One example is, is John chapter 17. That great, we call it his high priestly prayer. Verse 9, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who have given me, for they are yours. John 17, 50, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. If you look at verse 20 of John 17, you see that Jesus prays for us. Listen to this. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, not just for these disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? That's us, right? How have we come to put our trust in Jesus? It's through their message. It's through the Word of God. It's through the New Testament as they describe who Jesus is and what He does. You think the Father answers Jesus' prayers? There's no question about that. And as He prays for us, as He prays for you and me, will the Father answer those prayers that Jesus prays for you and me? Absolutely, He will. When my mother and father died, I thought to myself, I've lost a couple prayer warriors. I've lost ones who I knew were daily praying for me. And I sensed kind of a, a sadness, not just missing them, but just thinking, Here's two people that always prayed for me and now they're gone. But I need to go back to, to this promise that Jesus prays for me. Hebrews 7.25 says that He ever lives to make intercession for us. Don't forget that Jesus prays for us. In the midst of, the, of life, in the midst of the challenges that we face, just as He prayed for those men battling that storm, Jesus intercedes for us. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One, John writes in 1 John chapter 2. So Jesus not only has a purpose for us in the storms of life, Jesus prays for us in the storms of life. And then thirdly, Jesus meets us. He meets us in the storms of life. The Gospel writers give us a, a, quite a bit of detail about this storm that they faced. 
You know, it was a bad storm. Matthew tells us that the boat was battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. I found it interesting, the word battered is literally tormented. (laughs) The boat was tormented by the wave. It was a bad, bad storm. One author says that in a normal trip across the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, which they were, the boat wouldn't have traveled more than one mile or two from shore at any point. But John says that by the time Jesus came to them, they had rowed for three or four miles. So the storm was pushing them out into the middle of the lake. It was a bad storm. And if you've ever been in a bad storm, you know what that can do to you, the fear it brings. Not only was it a bad storm, it was a long one. Matthew tells us that it started in the evening, and according to verse 25, it was still going in the fourth watch of the night. You know what the fourth watch of the night is? That's from 3 a.m. until 6 a.m. So one author says that they may have been battling that storm for nine hours. Can you imagine fighting that storm The storm that was tormenting, that was battering that boat. And they're out rowing in the sea, trying to get to land, trying to get to safety. And they are battling that storm for up to nine hours. Frightful thing. Causes us to ask the question, why did Jesus wait so long? Why didn't he come to them sooner? Could it be that Jesus wanted to teach them that their only hope was in Him? In Him alone. Well, Jesus was dealing with probably some self-sufficient men. They were, many of them were fishermen. They had been out in the sea. They knew how to keep the, the boat afloat. They had weathered all kinds of storms out on the Sea of Galilee. But this storm brought them to the place where they knew they needed Jesus. And Jesus met them in their time of need. Verse 25 says, And in the fourth watch of the night, He came to them. And how did He come to them? He was walking on the water. Wow. (laughs) There the storm is raging. The boat is being battered. And along comes Jesus walking on the water. They didn't recognize that it was Jesus. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. So the storm itself was bad enough. And then they look and here is someone walking on the water. People don't walk on water, do they? Right? So if you were in the boat with them, And here you're battling this storm, and all of a sudden, here's someone, some figure walking on the water. What what are you going to think? Whoa, what is going on here? They They were terrified. One of the lessons we learn here is that Jesus has a way of meeting our needs, sometimes in unexpected ways. Have you had that experience before? Unexpected ways. Maybe you didn't even recognize it right away. 
As fishermen, the disciples had been out on the Sea of Galilee hundreds of times, but they had never seen anybody walking on the sea. I can guarantee you that. And that's why they thought, this must be a ghost. It wasn't until Jesus spoke to them that they realized it was no ghost. This was Jesus. Jesus is walking on the water. Sometimes he does this in our lives with unusual circumstances. How he orchestrates the events of our lives in such a way that we say this, this, this is no coincidence. This is, this is the hand. Had those experiences before? Where something happened, where God arranged certain events in your life, and you say, Lord, this is a God thing. This is you. Unexpected ways that Jesus makes his, his presence known. And sometimes Jesus makes his presence known to us through people, through his people. Have you ever noticed how Jesus has a way of bringing someone into your life just when you needed it. Some encouragement, some person, maybe someone you don't even know, another believer in Jesus that God brings into your life just when you need it. Gloria Lee was telling me about that a few days ago. She said, Pastor, you won't believe all the different people that God has brought into my life at the hospital and at the nursing home. People who love the Lord. She says, that's God's work. That's God's work. I wish I could write about it. All that God has done. Sometimes in unexpected ways, unexpected people, Jesus has ways of making his presence known to us. Well, when Jesus met his disciples, he had something important to say to them. Three times Jesus speaks here in our text, and in each statement, it's for the disciples' encouragement. The first statement is verse 27, when the disciples cried out in fear, what did Jesus say? He said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, do not be afraid. There's something going on here that we miss in our English translations. The phrase, it is I, you know what that is literally? I am. Take courage. I am. Do not be afraid. Now that ought to ring a bell, right? I am. That's a name of God. That's the name that God gave first to Moses when Moses was giving the Lord all these excuses why he couldn't lead the Israelites out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 3. Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What's his name? What shall I say? <laughs> Just say, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So when Jesus said, take courage, I am. Ah, what are the disciples thinking? That's, that's the self-existent one. That's the creator of the universe. That is God in, in human flesh. And when I am is with you in the storm, 
That makes all the difference, doesn't it? You're not facing this alone when I am is with you. That makes all the difference. I think of Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? You know the answer. My help comes from the Lord, who is what? The maker of heaven and earth. The creator. The self-existent one. The I am. And if the I am is with you, what more do we need? What an encouraging word that was. The second time Jesus speaks is with just one word in response to Peter. Verse 28, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and came toward Jesus. Now, is that surprising that Peter would be the one? No, it's not. He was the impetuous one who often spoke before thinking. But here Peter teaches us something about his faith in Jesus. He is in the midst of a terrible storm. He is afraid of what is going to happen to him. So he wants to be close to Jesus. (laughs) Right? He wants to be close to Jesus. One author says, Peter believed it was safer to be with Jesus on the water than to be without him in the boat. (laughs) He wanted to be with Jesus. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Jesus said, come on. And Peter came to Jesus. Now, if the story ended here, we would marvel at Peter. We'd say, no one has faith like Peter. I could never have the faith of Peter, right? But then Peter revealed just how human he was, just how much he needed to grow in faith. Seeing the wind, he became frightened. He begins to seek, or begins to cry out, Lord, save me. And what did Jesus do? Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand. He took hold of him. And then he said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? So there's the third time Jesus speaks and he asks Peter, Peter, why did you doubt? I suppose we could say that was a word of rebuke, maybe a mild word of rebuke. Oh, you of little faith, why, why did you doubt? And that must have stung a little bit for a man like Peter, especially, right? Because he was the one that said, Lord... Everybody else might fall away from me, but not me. I'll stand with you. I'll trust you. I'll go with you to the end. Of course, he didn't. So that might have stung a little bit because Peter was a fairly confident man. At least that's the picture we get. So it might have been a bit of a rebuke. But the question, why did you doubt? Could that not also be a word of encouragement causing Peter to reflect upon the fact There was no good reason to doubt if Jesus was there with him, right? Is there any reason to doubt if Jesus is with us? Peter needed to learn that true peace, true peace, is found not in the absence of trouble, but in the presence of Jesus. 
Because if you're looking for peace in the absence of trouble, you're in trouble. (laughs) Why? What did Jesus say? In the world you shall have tribulation. Right? But he also said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Don't let your heart be troubled. If you're looking for peace in the absence of trouble, you're not going to find it. Because I'll tell you what, we live in a world of trouble. We live in a fallen world. True peace is not found in the absence of trouble. It's found in the presence of Jesus. That's what these disciples found. They found that their peace was found when Jesus was present with them. And we have the promise, right? That he is ever-present help in time of need. Have you experienced that truth in your life? That's one of the difficult lessons to learn. We think that life would be better if our circumstances were better. If things would just change. If you'd take me out of this trouble or take this away, or then I'd be happy. And, and you know, that we meet people whose life seems to be free from trouble, that don't know the Lord, they're not happy, right? Because they don't know Jesus. It's, it's the presence of Jesus that, that makes the difference. And in the storms of life, we, we often experience His presence in, in ways that, that sometimes we can't even explain it. The peace of God that, what, passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds, in Christ Jesus. And through those storms, Jesus draws us closer to Him. His presence causes us to love Him and trust Him more because we see how faithful He is, how wonderful He is. So Jesus will meet you in that storm. His Word will encourage you in that storm. And He will show you, maybe in a life-changing way, just how wonderful He is. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your presence in the storms of life, just as You were there, meeting those fearful disciples, calming their troubled hearts. Lord, would You do that? as we face storms in our lives today. Lord, we're no different than these men were. We, we fear, we doubt, we question. Lord, help us to, to see You in all of life, to rest in You, to trust in You, to stand on the promises of Your Word, to experience, O oh God, that peace that only You can give that the world cannot take away. Lord, use this word to strengthen and encourage us today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.